the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Hey, Doc, I need a stress reliever. Ooh, you got a bad MLB fever. I got a bad, I got the MLB fever. Ooh, you got a bad MLB fever. They better get a deal done quickly. Ooh, you got a bad MLB fever. Or I'm going to go rabbit post hastily. Ooh, you got a bad. Doctor, doctor, what's your prescription? They better get a deal done. There's no description. Just get a deal done now. Welcome to the Long God Podcast. It is me, Michael. And with me as always, singing some Beach Boys. Mm, Yeah. What up? Steve Ford. How's it going, man? So here we are. Here we are. Another week. More little Ooh, progress. More little progress. <laughs> oh my gosh, man. I mean, at least they're meeting every day now. Yeah. I, I guess there's that, but this fucking side. They are still so far apart. So far apart. That on on a lot of key issues, the the bonus pool money. I mean, MLB will come up five million, but they're still 80 million something plus apart. Uh some of these things, it's like, I don't know if this is going to happen by uh, they have a, a hard deadline here, right? Or so hard deadline uh, next Monday, next Monday, this, this Monday 20th, coming up. Yeah. So yeah, the, the 28th or else we're going to start uh, missing uh regular season games. Not only will we be missing them, it's not like they're going to be postponed. They're just going to straight cancel the games. They're going to straight cancel the games, which no makeups. I love no, no pay. I, I love that. It's that that's a, way. That's a baller move by MLB. Right it's there. a baller so, move. Yeah. And it, gets, it gets that side moving a little bit further. Um, Boy, it, this talks, you'd think talks are heating up and, but it's, inc- <laughs> it's incremental moves, man. It's, it's very bad. It's, it's not good, man. And it's not, and uh, to cancel game games is going to be catastrophic, but in a way it true. will light the fire under uh, the players or the players unions ass because players are going to get mad because they don't want to lose money. Not, yeah, exactly. I've heard that, you know, at least, like I said, they're talking every day and more and more players seem to be showing up to these meetings as well. I guess uh, they had a Garrett Cole sighting there the other day. So uh, you know, showed up in his Porsche. Oh, who? Nice. Oh, classy yeah. Max. All right. I see it. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> old Porsche. Huh? You know, so at least they you know that the, the players are showing more of an interest and more of them are showing up here for this. But yeah. I really wish they get a fucking mediator in here because I really think a mediator would do a lot of good here. Did you know that, and this is the first I've found out about this, which I just shows you how shut out we are as in the public uh, of knowing what goes on in those meetings. You know, Rob Manfred has, hasn't been to a collective bargaining agreement. And since last April, are you serious? He doesn't, he doesn't go into those meetings. It's all lawyers. Yeah. Isn't that something? And it would say, it would say something to these players. If, if your head guy actually shows up at the fucking meeting and says, all right, let's get a deal done here. And I thought you that know? was incredibly odd, but I guess in finding out, I guess it's not odd that that doesn't happen. There's times like where Bud Seelig, when he was commissioner, he would show up and then going right. back, of course. he Okay, so I was listening. Jeff Passan was saying this. I'm going to read some tweets later about what he said. I was listening to him on the Pat McAfee show, and it was really interesting because... 
he said that uh, it's not totally weird for the commissioner to not be there. And I said, well, how is that? He says, well, that it's, it's a biased. It's almost like a biased thing because if he's there, it, it, if he were to say anything, if he were to, it, it could jeopardize the lawyers. It, it's like going to a deposition with a lawyer, you know, okay. and, and those two sides. But I kind of going back to what kind of what you injected in there. I kind of, I mean, wouldn't that, that would say something though, if my commissioner yeah. was there, that Sat means he said, yeah, yeah. It means like he wants to get something done. It means he, he's that passionate about getting something done and for right. him not being there, but the players are showing up now. Yeah. Boy, <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. I, I think that does look bad that he's not there. That's really bad. Yeah. So is it like just a bunch of like lawyers from each side hashing out or, is, or does Tony Clark show up to the meeting? Tony Clark definitely shows up. I mean, okay. he's the forefront. He's the one that he's the mouthpiece and everything. The okay. lawyers hash it out for sure, okay. but there's representatives on both sides. Okay. And of course he's going to be, it's going to be him because he's the head of the players union and it's going right. to be his subordinates. It's going to be the people that uh, they're with in the subordinates. But on the, on the MLB side, you're going to have people that are like maybe the assistant commissioner, maybe some other people, but Manfred's not there. So uh, to me, it's weird. Doesn't that just feel weird? It, yeah, it strikes me as odd. It strikes me as kind of weak, actually. You know, this is, if we lose games, this is going to have such a profound impact on the fans and it's going to be tough for MLB to, to come back from that. I agree. And, you know, as we get closer and closer to this deadline here, we're talking here on Thursday night, he needs to get his butt in there, I think, and sit down. And, and show that he means business here. Well, just, yeah. And, and everything he said before, remember when he had that media or that conference? Yeah. Yep. So everything he says almost is baseless. And the way yeah. I look at it, he's confident. Well, how do you, yeah. well, you so you're just going off you're what your lawyers say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you're how can you, how can you grab a temperature of what's going on? Right. It's just, to me, that's like, at that point, it, it was like, oh, so you can't be confident. So people who were confident and the fine, and I don't think a lot of people know that the commissioner doesn't show up to these meetings now. And knowing that we didn't know that I totally yeah. have, I've lost faith that this is going to get done before this. Yeah. All that. Unless some big strides happen over the, uh, you know, over the weekend, I guess listen to John Paul Morosi he says a lot of the action that he thinks is going to happen uh, on the weekend here, this Saturday and Sunday, as we approach the deadline, it's like uh, when you approach a trade deadline or, uh, you know, something like that in basketball where, uh, everything starts heating up here at the end. He thinks that's going to happen, but where they're still so far apart that even if it does heat up on the weekend, I don't think they're going to, unless something drastically happens, I don't think they're going to get a, uh, get anything done by Monday. I agree. Sucks. I, I agree. And they're, they're very much off on the, uh, the uh, yep. competitive balance tax, which that's, okay. So I'm going to read some tweets real quick from Jeff Passan because Jeff Passan, in my eyes, he's a, he's a really Jeff good. Passan. I do too. I mean, he's a guy that goes in there and he goes and he gets you the news that you want. He's the Adam Schefter of baseball. Right, right. And uh, so he made a bunch of tweets uh, yesterday that came across my phone. And it's just for our listeners, this is just kind of kind of catching you up on kind of where they're at in terms of uh, what's being moved and what's not being moved. So the one thing that he believes that's going to prevent the deal is the CBT, which is the collective uh, competitive balance tax. Owners are saying they can't go much, go much above the 214 million threshold. And the union hasn't made a CBT proposal since the lockdown began, since the lockout began. It's, it's a, it's a staring contest. So it's almost, (laughs) 
So it's children. A chicken here. We got yeah, chicken. It, that's, that's it. You know, and that's exactly how he put it today on the Pat McAfee show. He says, maybe this week, maybe later one side will blink, but it's, but nobody wants to be the first person to blink. And then he kind of goes in and he says, the union believes MLB's offer is worse than the old competitive uh, CBT, which, which sunset essentially disappeared. So oh. with the expiration of the last deal, so the union is correct. Um, a 214 million threshold with worse taxes is a step backward. Though it's not surprising, MLB doesn't want to pay players more. I mean, that's all it comes down to. Now the league says the CBT is important for the competitive balance reasons, even though from 2011 to 2019, there was no correlation between payroll and wins. And Passon said he did the math. So this much is true. He goes, every World Series winner during that time started the season with a top 11 payroll. That was just, he's basically saying that, like, you kind of summed it up, actually, by saying there was, uh, it's a game of chicken. And then he he sent one uh, tweet today. He says, the meetings are done for today. They're going to meet tomorrow. And he says, progress is minimal. There are four days left for MLB and the MLPPA with the Players Union to get a labor, uh, new labor deal or uh, regular season games are going to be canceled. So they've had four days to move and there's been next to nothing, just incremental. And that's that. So that that just shows you how we're inching. So honestly, yep. dude, I think by Monday, nothing's going to happen, especially if they're this far apart because yep. it comes down to money. I mean, they could piss around with lottery pick or, you know, the lottery system for the draft and, and um, service time among players. But when it comes down to the brass tax, the money, they exactly. don't want to budge. And that's going to be tough. Yep. Gonna- yep. And it, it's going to hurt the, the fans the most here. It is. You know, because it is. You're fighting over billions of dollars where, you know, the everyday fan is just trying to figure out if they can go to one game for the year. And you yeah. guys are you guys are fighting over billions, fighting over billions, and it's it's, it's not right. Jeff Passon said on the Pat McAfee show, he goes, and this is it's almost like they're listening to our podcast because <laughs> he said this is just going to be devastating for baseball. He goes, even the casual baseball fan is just looks at this as a bunch of babies. Yep, and that's how they look at it. Now, obviously, from Jeff Passon, he can't. He can't be biased. He has he has nope, to play nope. neutral. So, but he does give you what the facts are. And in us, we can play biased. We can because we we're an opinion based show. Right. But at this time, I just it is it's it's money. And he says the casual baseball fan will just lose interest. It's almost nope. worse than a strike. It's almost like no, it well, is. It's not only the players bitching about more money, and that's also the owners. So it's the whole thing's a shit show, dude. I saw an article. I think it was on CBS, uh, CBS Sports, talking about Rob Manford could just lift the lockout and let everyone come to spring training right now. But can you imagine how bad that would be to uh, come to spring training with no deal? It'd be like 1994 all over again. Yeah, you know, I don't even but, know how that would even work. Yeah, because you yeah. still would be operating. It'd be almost like operating without a contract. Yeah, exactly. It'd be it'd be like the teachers going to. Uh, going to school and teaching uh, without a contract where they could just strike at any time. Yeah. How much and the teams wouldn't know how much money they're going to be able to spend. I mean, yeah. free agency would lock up. There would be yep. people like Chris Bryant would be left in like purgatory. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Carlos like, Correa you, and them. Like, <laughs> Imagine if they tried something like that. If the old man was like, all right, lock, lock out over. You guys can come, let's go to work. We don't have a yeah. deal, but all right, come on in. You know, uh, that would be super weird. And think of the people that signed, the players that signed before. Right. I always thought it was smart to sign before, but, uh-huh. and, but I understand more now why certain players like Carlos Correa and Bryant and whatever haven't signed yep. previously because they want to see what the new CBA looks like. But right. I, I know for the players like Javier Baez and stuff that did sign and uh, it's in you know, Corey Seager, but it's not like they're going to get that money 
as soon as the season starts. I mean, there's a there's a potential like they're not going to get paid that money yep, yep. until the season starts. So it's like you signed a deal, but it's not like you're going to get that money. You're still waiting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Here's your deal on paper, but you're not actually going to get paid yet. So. Yeah, that's a super, <laughs> just super weird. Man. Here's your deal in title only. All right. <laughs> it's, it's super weird, dude. I don't uh, know. It really is. Speaking of deals, so Juan Soto got in the news here a little bit. Uh, yeah. Re- recently, uh, right before the lockout, I guess he rejected, what, a 13-year, $350 million uh, contract there from the Nats. He did. What are your he thoughts would. on that? Would you, would, I mean, obviously, you and I would take that fucker in a heartbeat. But oh, dude, I total, totally would. Do you think he's worth that or more? Honestly. If you're the Nationals. If I'm the Nationals. And I've lost so many players. I would see I, I I'd pay him more. You know, uh-huh. uh, he he's he's a fantastic baseball player. He's the face of your franchise. He's the top. I think in the top five for MLB players uh, yeah. playing right now. Is he worth five hundred million? I don't think so. I, I'd pay it's him hard. between three three fifty and four hundred, depending on the years. I would. I, too. I think you know because how old is Juan Soto? He's uh, early twenties, right? Like twenty. Yeah, Juan Soto. Remember, he broke in at nineteen. Yeah, so it's almost like a prodigy. I mean, he yeah. came in kind of like a Bryce Harper esque kind of player. Uh, he's twenty three right now. Twenty three. Okay. Twenty four, but it seems like he's played in the league for ten years. The way you know, you know he's been, but I'd lock lock him down to like a. It depends on the years. If you can pay him, you know. If you want to pay him like four hundred million dollars and stretch it out over like you know thirteen years or something like that, I think that that's worth the investment. And because you know, that would put him like in his up mid you know upper thirties there by the time the contract's up. That's true. That's good. You know. That's true. And then he'd enter his third or second or third phase of pay. Yeah. For a thirty-some-year-old, and at that point, yep. the market at that point he's made he's made all the money, and he could probably just make a you know sign a two or three year contract for big big bucks. And either go for another ring. I mean, what would be his? <laughs> He is living the life when you think yeah, about he's, it. For, he's for already won player. that World Series right he's, there. Right. Know? He came in the league at like 19, 20, and he just lit the fucking the league on fire at a young age. I mean, he came in before. I mean, he was like, supposed to be in the minors. Like, but he like Miggy. You know? Exactly like Miggy. And he just, he was amazing. And, yep. and people are comparing him to like Ted Williams, the way he's hitting. Jeez, yeah. And now at 23, he's going he's, he's, he could hit his career contract, the contract you're looking for. <laughs> And a lot of people, a lot of people are saying, well, the Nationals are just going to trade him. I'm like, well, I think not only would it be bad for them to trade him, I don't think it's about him not wanting to play for the Nationals. He turned down that 13 year 350 because he wants to be paid Mike Trout money. He doesn't want to be paid Mookie Betts money. He wants to be paid Mike Trout money. And can you blame a guy? I can't blame a guy, especially with that. When you're when you have that how he's played he's had that much success yeah and he's he's proven to be the one of the top players in this game at 23 of course yep. i'd be asking for 500 million too yeah, exactly i agree i mean will he get it i don't know but, yeah that's hard to say i mean the nationals but, do you, i mean if you were to make a deal like this do you i mean what would you backload that with would you be like we need an opt out yeah. after six years or seven oh, I think so. or yeah. I do an opt out even after like four, four or five years to get yeah. a chance. Because you know? baseball is so unpredictable. I mean, yep. you could just be the top of the game one season and be at the bottom of the game the next. Big, exactly, or you know, a buyout or something. It's beneficial for both sides because yeah. if he just if he's not liking the direction that uh, that Washington's going, then he could obviously opt out. And if he's still at the top of his game, probably even still go get more money going elsewhere. Jesus. Or, or if he craps the bed and like injures out, then you know a buyout or something uh, would be nice for the Nationals so that they have security as well. 
Yeah. I mean, but, talk about uh, must be good to be fucking Juan Soto. Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. I mean, and, and you already crossed the, uh, the world series off, uh, you know, off Amazing. the list, uh, at age, what, 20, age um, 20. I yeah. mean, he doesn't really have the, the crazy accolades yet, but I mean, they're coming. I mean, yeah. you're talking about a guy who is yet to win MVP, but he's only like a one dime all-star. Yep. Two-time MLB first team, two-time Silver Slugger. He's yep. on the All MLB second team in nineteen, batting champion. I mean, this guy is working his way towards a Hall of Fame career. Oh yeah, and this guy is really amazing. Uh, Five hundred. God, that's a tough one. You know, I would ask for that, of course, but yeah. kind of got to look at the guys who are offered those big contracts. Mike Trout was offered Mike that Trout. contract, and look at the MVPs he already won at that. Exactly, time. and and when he wasn't winning, he was runner-up for MVP. That's you know? yeah. Yeah, dude, so, and he's always like he's always runner up for MVP every yeah, season. I mean, so if he wants to make that Mike Trout money, you're just gonna have to, you know, bank on can he can he get to that Mike Trout level? You know, I mean that's what it's gonna to, have to be the hardware and stuff like that, because he you know, he hasn't won the MVPs to get that Mike Trout money yet. Yeah. So. And, but then in his defense, like say you're one or say I'm Juan Soto, right? And yeah. uh, and they were like, <laughs> Well, you don't have in you say you're the owner, and like you just said, you're like, Well, you don't have the MVPs, basically the accolades, uh, like yep. Mike Trout did before we gave him that contract. And he can go, Yeah, but Mike Trout's never won a World Series. I won you a World Series. I helped win you a World yep. Series. Yep. And it's like, fuck, how do you deny that? I mean, that was a team effort right there. He did he did yeah. help when it wasn't individually, you know, like he put the team on his back to win the World Series. It's true. Uh, it's true. You know? I mean, but, he did have I mean help Anthony Rendon was fucking crushing it at that yep. time. He had a Make lot sure of Ken, remember Howie Kendrick? I mean, he came oh, out of Howie nowhere. Kendrick. Oh man, yeah. You yep. know, so uh but but I but uh, that would be my argument if I wanted a yep. five hundred million dollar contract. Oh, like, totally. well, I won a World Series and Mike Trout hasn't won a World Series, so what are we talking about? And I want to win you more World Series. But you could rebuild around me. And I'm only 23. Mike Trout's 30 now. And he got his contract when he was like 28, 29. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. Like two years ago. And it's like, boys, you can build off me for the remainder yeah. of my 20s. I mean, that's a tough one to pass up. As an you owner, should go, I'd be should like, you'll be Juan Soto's agent, man. Go for it. I know, right? <laughs> but, but, but you, I mean, looking at the argument, I'd be yeah. like, well, it, it, what's, what's the worth? I mean, what's right. Because when you ask players, it's like, do I want to win MVPs or do I want a World Series? Most are say World Series. I mean, that's the right. when you're a kid, that's the top of the game right there is the World Series. That's the crowning achievement, yep. you know. So, yep. yeah, that's yeah. I, I think he's worth it. But at the same time, you got to look at people who not just Mike Trout. Look at Patrick Mahomes, who right. got the deal he got with the Chiefs. But by that time, he's yep. already won an MVP. He's won a Super Bowl. I mean, yep. man, I mean, I don't know yep. that that's going to be interesting to see how this progresses. Uh, if I would be smart, if I were the nationals and I, if I didn't want to pay him that I would give him like, listen, let's just do, I would be like, I'll give you a bunch of money for one or two years. to let me think this over Um, or, or defer it, defer it. Oh, that's great. They could defer it and get the money after, you know, a lot of it after the deal is done. Yeah. You know, similar to like what they did with max. That's that's, They they did a lot of deferred money with max Scherzer. And they also had a lot of options on that contract, yep. which I didn't realize they had yeah. until he got traded. And I was like, oh, yeah. And then, then now he's not with the Dodgers. No, he's not even with oh. the Dodgers anymore. So that contract is, was never all guaranteed. It was basically no. like, so you could almost do that with Soto. Like you said, defer it. And you could put a ton of options on there and make yep. sure, because a lot of those guys don't want, um, they don't want to be traded. So they'll say a trade clause. I'll be like, fuck you. I want to have a trade clause in here. Yep. Yep. 
Yeah. Oh. You know, do, do something like that or, you know, put performance incentives on there too. Oh, that'd be great. You know? Yeah. Like you have to be top, top five in MVP at the age of 32 or something like that to show that you're still uh, putting forth the effort. That's, that's good. I wonder if Miggy, did Miggy's contract Mi- ever come with incentives? Miggy, Miggy's contract does. I think uh, uh, last couple of years, uh, he gets uh, bonuses if he finishes like the top five in MVP or something like that. So it's trying to force him to, uh, to play better. Sick. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's pretty so, cool. So yeah. that's, that's where we sit right there. Um, on the negative side of baseball, I hate to come back to negative yeah. stuff as yeah. we already talked about the fucking lockout, but, uh, Matt Harvey, which remember Matt yeah. Harvey was like a stud pitcher for like three, four years. He was, he was, what was his nickname in, uh, in New York? It was he like Batman or yeah, he was like or, Batman. It was yeah. like, yeah. And it, when he, when he, uh, when they call him out to pitch, people would throw up like, the, the dark have, night that's what it was. the dark night yeah thing. but people would have like signs for the dark night and the yep. batman song would play and he might get suspended because i guess yeah him and the trainer i mean he was the one that introduced tyler skaggs to the, the pitcher who died uh, a few years back he was with. using cocaine and yeah, stuff cocaine fentanyl fentanyl yeah, like fentanyl it's like fuck you! I'm gonna kill myself, kind of. Yeah, drug. exactly. And it was provided by was it the the, the trainer? Was it? Er, yeah, Eric yeah. K. Eric K. Was the trainer. Okay. And he's the one that has taken the brunt of this whole thing because clearly, right. not only is he a trainer, but he's a drug dealer. So yeah. he gave um, oxycotton to a lot of MLB players. He was giving them stuff that wasn't prescribed, not nice. just. Matt Harvey and Tyler Skaggs. We're talking about like CJ CJ Cron was in there yeah. too. He testified that he got opioids. Wow. Which is extremely sad to, to hear. So yeah. Eric K, he was basically found guilty on the two counts um, in connection to the death of pitcher Tyler Skagg, which yeah. is just incredibly sad. But I guess what, what was really more shocking is the kind of drugs he was selling and yeah. dis- distributing. I mean, fentanyl. I mean, oh, my God. I mean, that's yeah. for like hard drug users. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, it, like you said, cocaine. I mean, come on, man. He did. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm I'm reading through the uh, the the New York Daily News uh, about what Matt Harvey testified to using. He was using uh, drugs in the clubhouse and the dugout. I believe yeah. that what, what kind of what kind of what kind of show you're running here in Los Angeles? And, Jesus. And and you got to look at the other teams. You're like, oh my god. Yeah. If, it's, if it's here, where else could it be? Right. This uh, just reminds me of the the cocaine in the '80s. Remember the drug crackdown in the '80s yeah. with the the you know that we saw on. Uh, uh, Ken Burns baseball. Tim Raines. I Tim mean, Raines. Like, oh my God. Uh, Doc Gooden. Uh, what, what was it? Tim Raines that, that had to, didn't he uh, always um, slide head first because he had a vial of cocaine or something in his back pocket. Yeah. So he, he never wanted to slide on his butt. Yeah. Yeah. Or he put it in his socks. Yeah. And it was easier just to slide uh, feet for, or face first yeah. instead of, uh, or head first. Instead, so, you know, just uh, Holy break, breaking the vials. Yeah. What is that? I mean, isn't that wild, dude? And it's just, it just, I mean, and then a few years ago, uh, there was a staffer for the Miami Dolphins who got fired because he was doing coke on his desk, and oh, there was yeah. a viral video. He did put a video about it. Wow. I guess when you're just at that level, things are just so accessible. Yeah. And yeah. When you true. are, a, I never thought Matt Hardy was a drug abuser. I always thought, either. how come his he dropped off so bad? And injuries, sure, but. I guess when you're doing drugs, like he wasn't doing performance enhancing drugs. He was doing, he was doing hard drugs. Like he even did cocaine when he was with the Mets. I'm reading. Oh my God. And, uh, and that, those were his years when he was with the Mets. Exactly. And it just makes you wonder about other pitchers. And right now is his current team is nobody. Um, and if he were to play, uh, 
he's going to be suspended. I mean, you'd have yeah. to figure yeah. for me, if I was the commissioner, I'd say yep. you're gone for the whole season. Um, yeah. At least and and oh, I don't I think any so. team's going to sign him now. He's fucked. He's fucked. No, I, 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 he's got that. Uh, yeah. He's got, the, <laughs> he, he's been, he's been tagged. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think he's been blacklisted, so to speak, I would say. The whole thing's just really, really sad yeah. here. And uh, obviously it's a young pitcher like Tyler Skaggs lost his life. Remember when Jose, Jose Fernandez died? And yeah. that boating accident, and he had cocaine in his system. You're like, yeah, yeah, Christ. He was yeah. just, he was like, going to be their pitcher of the future. And then, but this guy was a drug abuser too. I was like, Jesus. Oh, geez. Yeah, I'm reading more about Matt Harvey and his testimony here. It's wow. wow. Yeah. The, the, tra- the trainer basically went tits up on him. And yeah. Like, listen, how am I going to save myself? And it was like, well, let's get, you know, turn Matt Harvey in. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Reading about how he pitched at least twice with a bloody nose, which uh, uh, certainly will raise some eyebrows after admitting that he used cocaine. So he he always blamed on, oh, it's just the dry air. Now it's like, was it really the dry air, Matt? You know. And this is a guy that I thought was like an old school type of pitcher, yeah. But I guess you just don't know, man. You don't know. Sometimes our the people we love watching sometimes yeah. they might have dark past. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Very sad. But moving on, we're going to move on to the then and now series. Yeah, here we go. Top, oh, we hit in the top 10 here. We are in the top 10 finals. Woo! All right. Last week's was was very fucking interesting. It was. Uh, we, we we picked our five, some surprises, some not so surprises. And it's surpri- and much like last week, we have a lot of the same kind of picks. We do. Uh, yeah. Last week, uh, you picked Bob Gibson, Clemens. Lou Gehrig, Trish Speaker, then Honus Wagner around in at your uh, number 10 for you. Right. Mine was Gehrig, DiMaggio, Gibson, Clemens, Walter Johnson. And now we move into the top 10. So, Steve, man, if Oof. you want to start us off, who is your number nine? Uh, I'm just going to. For greatest yeah. player of all yep. time in the top 25. Coming on at number nine for me, I'm just going to uh, use the nickname The Man. Oh! When you think of The Man, who are you thinking of? Stan Musial. I mean, he yeah. had like the perfect batting stance. Uh, it's now he, he did it all. He's a lifer with St. Louis. He's, you know, if you want to think, you know, you know, you have, you know, Mr. Tiger, Al K line, but I think Mr. Cardinal for the St. Louis Cardinals, it's uh Stan usual, a 24 time all-star three time world series champ, three time MVP, a seven time NL batting champ, uh, career three thirty one average 3,630 hits, almost 500 home runs, almost 2000 RBIs. And he took a break to, uh, uh, you know, I think he, he went went into the Navy for a little bit. So, you know, imagine what his numbers could have been if he didn't have that two-year gap and uh, playing. So I don't think the guy's ever paid for a drink. After yeah, I, I would. I, after I would everything say, you yeah. just said. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say, yeah, up until his death in 2013, that guy was, uh, that, that guy was sitting pretty probably at the bars. But yeah, Stan Musial, he comes in at, uh, at number, uh, number nine for me. Dude, just a great. Fantastic player. And with you kicking off with Stan Musial, so you can tell our listener, you know, our listeners, you can tell by Steve kicking it off that obviously we're getting into some legendary yeah. territory here. I mean, we're talking about the best of the best in the game right now. Stan Musial, obviously great pick, played his whole what career with Cardinals, with the Cardinals, I'm, I'm assuming. Yep. And yep. Um, holy shit. And a pretty good harmonica player. Really? I did not know that. Yeah. Really? At his Hall of Fame induction, he fucking spit oh, some that's, fucking rhymes with it. That's uh, what's up. Yeah, he's a big time harmonica player. Yeah, uh, Stan Musial, good number nine, man. Thanks. And, and, and I'm looking at all. He was a first ballot Hall of Famer, but only had 93 percent of the ballot. Who didn't that's, vote for Stan? 
dude. Like, who? Ah, that's the stuff I'll just will never fucking understand, dude. I'll never fucking understand yeah. this. Oh man. So who do you have in at uh, nine for you? Well, you got you already mentioned this guy last week, uh, rightfully yeah. so. I I, I got to tell you, man. There it was between. I, I it took me everything not to put Mike Trout on this list. Um, yep. And when we same, talk same about here. our snubs in the next couple of weeks, when we talk about our snubs, uh, maybe next week, I think, um, yeah. or something. Um, yeah, it, it took me everything not to put Mike Trout on this list. And we'll, when we talk about snubs later, we'll tell you why. Um, but he was, I, at first, when I created this list, I had Trout in the ninth spot. I'm like, nah, he's just not there yet. So I went with somebody you picked earlier, Tris Speaker. Good choice. Fantastic choice. Hell yeah, man. Tris Speaker, yeah. the Gray Eagle himself. Yeah, you kind of went over everything that he's done. He's played for like four different teams. I think his most notable years was with the Red Sox slash Boston Americans when it first started. Right. And I mean, he ended with a 345 career average in a game with, a, with that kind of ball. He had over 3,000, 3,500 hits. I mean, holy shit. And he's yeah. the all time doubles leader. And a lot of people don't know he had 792 doubles, which is uh, Isn't that crazy? the best of all <laughs> time. So Tris Speaker always roamed the outfield. In the, in the back, back then, he never really got a lot of mention because it was always between him and it was always like Ty Cobb, Napla yeah. Joy. It was some of those, obviously, Babe Ruth, when he came in, uh, he kind of took a back seat, but uh, he was really, really consistent. And he's another guy that only had 82% of the vote and he only got in on the second ballot, which was weird. Second ballot? Dude, I know. And it's just, to me, it, it's just wild. I don't know what these people were smoking back then. <laughs> Uh, but for me, yeah, my number wow. nine is uh to speaker. <laughs> and he's a hell of a manager too. I think I mentioned that uh last week too. You know, he had uh uh let's see, six hundred seventeen wins as a manager. So um, yeah, you know, we we you know records speak for themselves. True speaker, fantastic choice at number nine. Thanks, bro. Yeah, coming in here for me at uh number eight, I went with uh Walter Johnson. Let's go. Oh, let's go. Walter Johnson is just uh pull up my stats here so i make sure i got the right info uh i mean it did you have walter johnson was he on your uh, yours for last week or he was that's why i thought yeah he 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 definitely was on mine last week he was uh number 10 okay so i had him in a number eight over you know over 400 wins era just a hair over uh over two it's fucking amazing uh you know 3500 strikeouts 110 shutouts is uh is you know just amazing there world series champ there 1924 two-time mvp a three-time tri- uh, triple crown winner for uh for pitching uh a 12-time al strikeout uh, leader the guy just uh i mean when your nickname is the big train huh. you better he better fucking look out because that guy's coming for you so uh yeah. walter johnson yeah i talked about him a little bit last week but he's coming in for me here at number eight uh, who are you looking at here, my friend? Yeah, man. Good, good pick. Walter Johnson. Yeah, definitely you, one you. of the best pitchers of all time. Uh, yep. number eight for me, uh, it, this is really hard, man, because you and I, I know with these last 10, we're like, oh man, it's like, it how is. can I put this guy before this guy? And yeah. it was really tough. And I, I, I thought this guy should go a little bit higher even, but okay. it just, you got to look at, I mean, we, you know, like we said in, in episodes past, you know, the, the era they played in, the accolades, yep. the fan love, individual individual uh, performance over team performance, all those things. Yep. Uh, I went in with Mickey Mantle at number Ooh, eight. Okay. And it might be a little early, man. It no, might no, be a little early. That's okay. Hey, that's okay. I mean, eight's a good spot for him. He's uh, top. He has to be top ten, right? Top 10. I mean, oh, definitely top ten. He'd, he'd be 
I think he might be the greatest uh, player of all time if he didn't have those injuries, you know? Yeah. You know, he's, he was just that good, but injuries slowed him down a little bit. But Can you uh, imagine if he didn't, when he busted his knee there uh, in that drain pipe that was yeah, in the outfield? Yeah, yeah. That kind of really fucked him over? Yeah, wasn't that he was going after one of Joe DiMaggio's uh, uh, yeah. flies there or something? So, yeah. What, DiMaggio what called him off last DiMaggio second. called him off, and then he hit that drain pipe. Oh, uh, I wonder if DiMaggio thought about that for a while. Maybe I shouldn't have called him off. <laughs> you know? Well, I remember, there was always that that feud between them because yeah. at that point, when Mantle entered and he yeah. was getting a lot of praise, Joe was like, man, I, Joe D was the guy. I mean, he yeah. was. He didn't I am, want I am the Yankees, damn it. <laughs> yeah, he was the Yankees, and that's what he wanted to be known for. But yeah. Mickey Mantle kind of came in and stole his thunder. And, I mean, you're talking about a guy that wound up with 536 home runs, over 2,400 hits. Didn't get, I agree with you, Steve. If he didn't get injured, we could be talking about over three, 4,000 hits possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Ended at a 298 batting average. Not bad, 1,500 RBIs. But, I mean, the OPS of 977, 20-time uh, All-Star. Seven-time world champion. I mean, he was Tom Brady before Tom Brady. Exactly. Three-time oh AL MVP, triple crown winner. Only one Golden Glove, surprisingly, because he was a good defensive, a good defensive yeah, player. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And obviously, to be retired, everybody when everybody thinks of all the Yankees numbers that have been retired, and there's many of them. Yep. The one that people remember, who everybody knows, who was number seven. Number everybody seven. knows number seven. Nobody. Yep. Not a lot of people know who was number one, two, three, and. Four and five, you know, maybe yep. DiMaggio at five, but mostly, yeah, people know him as number seven. So that's it's I that mean. is my number eight pick. And also, just to, since we're talking first uh, ballots, eighty eight percent of the vote, only eighty eight percent, eighty eight percent for seventy four for the seventy four wow. election. That's fucking wow! <laughs> shame on you, people! Shame, 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 shame! But yeah, like you said, I mean, you know. And that, uh, Seinfeld had an episode where George Costanza wanted to name his kid seven. Remember that? Yes. He, he yes. Wanted to name his kid seven after Mickey Mantle because Mickey Mantle was his favorite baseball player. Because when you say seven, it's the first thing that comes to mind. It's first thing that comes to mind. You know, but yeah, fantastic, fantastic choice. Um, yeah, I like to party too. We'll just say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so injuries aside, I don't think injuries the party aside. helped that much. Oh, yeah. Probably probably hanging out with Billy Martin a little bit too much. Money. Uh, yeah, I've been waiting for it too. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. But still, a fantastic uh, choice of number eight. Spoiler alert: He might be uh, coming up again here in my list in a little awesome. bit. So, uh, for me, coming in here at number seven, uh, Teddy Ballgame himself. Let's go, uh, Ted Williams. Let's go, Boston Red Sox. I think of Boston Red Sox. It's you know, Ted Williams is one of the first names that comes to mind. Yeah. Uh, 344 career batting average, over 2,600 hits, 521 home runs, uh, over 1,800 RBIs, uh, on-base percentage of 482. He's a 19-time All-Star, two-time MVP, a two-time Triple Crown uh, winner, six-time batting champion, a uh, four-time AL home run leader. Uh, And through, through all this, he still managed to serve his country not only in World War II, but also in Korea. So the guy, you know, fantastic on the diamond and a true patriot off the uh, off the field uh, there as well. So uh, coming in at number seven for me is uh, Ted Williams. Same, my number seven is Ted Williams. And get it, I, get it. I mean, you said everything. I mean, this guy is constantly the adamant professional. He yep. was. What well, I mean, what was that thing he'd always say? He goes, "When I go down the street, I want people to say 
there goes the best hitter that ever lived. Yeah. And, and as egotistical as that is, well, yeah, he that very is well very, could be one of the best hitters. And he very well could yeah. be. His, his approach to hitting was very methodical, very, yep. very scientific. The way he, the way he ate and kept his nutrition. And you're talking yeah. about a guy that didn't drink. He didn't drink alcohol yeah. because he was afraid his eyesight would go bad. It's like Magic Johnson. He didn't do alcohol or drugs because he was, it was afraid he would, uh, uh, you know, his mind wouldn't be as sharp when he was playing basketball. Yeah, so he so, turned to sex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he... <laughs> exactly. Everybody had their crutch. You know, Ted Williams, went, Ted Williams went fishing. Ted Magic Williams Johnson had sex. I was going to say, Ted Williams went pitching. Magic had five ways. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I still, think the, I still think the AC Green story is pretty hilarious. Oh my god! What would he brought? Would he paid for a hooker to come up to his room? <laughs> yeah, and then AC Green just read to her from the Bible. <laughs> oh man! Um, I hope that I hope that shows up in the new. Sh- uh, yes, uh, I was just going to say that the Showtime, yeah, series, the winning time, yeah, winning time, bro. I hope so too. Oh, That'd man. be so great. But you said everything. <laughs> About yeah. Ted Williams, man. I mean, this guy was amazing. Teddy ball game. And the fact yep. that he 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 spent three years in the service, like you yep. said, is very amazing because if he, those three years, if he had played, yeah, I mean, we could be talking about somebody who could have almost potentially 600 home runs. Um, what would his average be? He maybe, two, I don't know, he's, maybe he's, two, the, he's, the last, RBIs. he's the last guy to uh, bat over 400, correct? I think. Yeah. 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 I mean, unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable. I mean, uh, uh, an on-base percentage of 482, which is <laughs> an all-time record. I mean, it's yeah. just amazing. 19 years in the league. If he played, what, 22? I mean, just think of what he could have done, man. Right. So, Teddy Ballgame. And the thing is, he didn't even look like a guy that would do that. No, I mean, he, he, he was the just splendid like, splinter. He was yep, the guy that was just skinny guy skinny wiry dude but yep. he just did everything right and man i mean when you when you think of boston red sox outfield you think of who's the greatest outfielder they've ever had and Boom. yeah man that's it's mookie bats it's mookie bats. <laughs> <laughs> to the left of mookie bats or to his right yeah. if he's in right field yeah the, uh, Williams the, in right field. <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> that's awesome. oh man all right so for me uh coming in here at numbers uh uh, number six, uh, guy you just talked about before, Mickey Mantle. I mean, you pretty much hit the nail on the head of everything. Uh, every, everything that's said about him, uh, injuries aside, I think he could have been the greatest, uh, greatest hitter, greatest player of all time. So, uh, he comes in just a pinch higher for me. He's in at uh, number number six. Who are you looking at here for six? Well, my this is another one that was really hard for me to put him here, just because everything he did and. You know, spoiler alert again, he probably is going to be on your list a little higher. Oh, but, no, yeah. Um, but it's for me, number six comes in at Hank Aaron. Uh, Emma. Yeah. And my my reasoning, because people are going to be like, oh, look, he's not in the top five. How dare you? I just thought uh, for me, it was the lack of World Series wins, probably. Okay. Um, I mean, not to say he's never won. He won in 1957. But uh, also, um, <clears throat> when I look at the overall game, I just thought, um, I, I'm not trying to down the guy here. I mean, we're talking, you won one MVP, three time golden glove, a guy, uh, 25 time all-star, which is, um, but he, I think that, that, that was in the years where the all-star game was played twice. Can you believe that? Dude, I could have never imagined that two and, all-star and, games in a year. And back then they loved playing. It was mentioned yeah. back then, which yeah, it was is competitive. Amazing. but you're yeah. talking about a guy that batted over 300, had over 3000 hits, 
755 home runs. And to me, and I know you, he still remains still as a, a top home run. Home run. Exactly. Yep. Um, as, as much as Barry Bonds uh, was, as much as he got, I just, man, it's really hard to uh, yep. say, uh, kind of deduct what uh, Hank Aaron has done in his career. But for me, um, and I know you'll talk about him more uh, later on, but uh, will. next week, but Hank Aaron, man, number six for me, obviously hammer and Hank goes at number six. I love it. And just, just, you know, think about this. You take away a 755 home runs. He still has 3,016 hits. That's wild. Isn't it? Wild. Sit on that for a little bit. Yeah. Just- oh, and, and just to mention, I mean, and he has over 2,200, I mean, he almost had uh, 2,300 RBIs. Yeah. You know how much of a feat that is? Because uh, yeah, yeah, how many years that you have to hit, you know, you break it down. If you got even maybe 100 RBIs a year, that means he would have had, if he only had 100 RBIs a year, 23 years, you'd have to do that to get to you know, almost 23 years to get to that that amount. And home run hitter, that is just wild to think about. And you think about the home run hitters today who yeah. who, who can get a lot of RBIs, but they don't get Hank Aaron RBIs. Like, They'll get 99, they'll get over 100 maybe, but hey, Aaron was doing it consecutively, getting yeah. over 100. He was getting like 120, 130 per season. That's a, yeah. And one thing that, you know, I, I remember uh, it was Tim uh, Kirkjian, uh, Kirkjian, Kirkjian, who yeah. said this about Hank Aaron. He goes, "What? what's fascinating about Hank Aaron is he wasn't the guy to ever get, he's never hit 50 home runs. He just hit 40 home runs almost every year consecutively. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah, that to was- me, that was fascinating. Yeah, he was just Mr. Yeah, Mr. Consistent. I think uh his high water mark was he hit 46 home runs in 59. Mm. That that was the most he ever hit in a season. And just uh, a- yeah, he you know, or, or, oh sorry, sorry. I over overshadowed that. It was 40 44. You know, he still though. Still. Still. I was looking at his doubles for a year where he got 46. That's fucking amazing too. Anyway, yeah. uh yeah, for yeah, 44. He did that a couple of uh, three Two two tree times. Oh wait, he did hit uh, forty seven home runs. Forty seven home good, runs. Yeah. Good for you, Hank. All right, I'm trying. You know, you you played so many years. I'm trying to get through your stats here, buddy. Uh, but, but he was never the guy to get the headlines because no, yep, he was always played for small market teams. Exactly, exactly. So I love it. Spoiler alert: He'll be uh, showing up on my list just a, a, a pinch bit higher. Hell yeah, dude. So. Uh, Coming at number five, I think we uh, have a similar number five here. I, I believe we both went with the Georgia Peach. Uh, oh, yeah, Ty man. Cobb. Ty Cobb. Ty Cobb. You think of uh, Ty Cobb. You, you know, just, uh, you know, he's right up there on the, obviously, the Mount Rushmore of Detroit Tiger players, but uh, up there with, uh, you know, obviously, great one of the greatest players of all time. 366 batting average, over 4,000 hits. Uh, you know, he wasn't a long ball hitter, only 117 uh, home runs, almost 2,000 RBIs, stole 892 bases. Uh, he did win one MVP, 12-time batting champion, um, four-time AL uh, RBI leader. Uh, and, uh, you know, he was on that original uh, induction in the Hall of Fame there in 1936. So I don't know what more you can say, but Ty Cobb, he, uh, he comes in there at number five for me. It's Ty Cobb, same, uh, just yeah. because he is the the greatest baseball player uh, yep. of his time. Uh, you could say a lot about a lot of different people, but <clears throat> I think he was the first MVP winner, too. I think in 1911, when they came up with the MVP, yeah. that's when he won it. Yep. Uh, before that, it was just batting champions, and that's you've already said how many he won. And it was always between him and Napoli Joy with, yep. uh, with Cleveland. 
But Ty Cobb, I just uh, his veracity, his, the way he played, his ferocity for the game. He played angry. I always loved that he, yeah. he played with a clenched jaw, and uh, he wasn't like the most athletically gifted player ever. But he, but he played the hardest. And when I played, I, I always remember that. Even you know, is looking because I never seen him play, never met the guy, right? He's in a totally different league of his own, and he was generations before me. But I always thought that was really cool to play the game. He played it angry, which no one should play the game angry, but he had right. to because because to lack the lack of talent, he had to go and find ways. I mean, the way he'd hit, even he never kept yep. his 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 hands together and keep them kind of apart. Yep. Uh, a lot of the times, and then he would. It is that's 117 home runs. Jeez. He got the majority of that the, near the end of his career when he yep. when he loose when he loosened up on the bat a little bit more and, and didn't choke up as much. But for him, he just found a way to get on base. Uh, I remember we talked about Wee Willie Killer um, mm-hmm. weeks ago, and how it was just you found a way to get on base, and when you played with the same ball all game, the <laughs> yeah. ball would look a certain way. Oh. So he found ways to manipulate what he could uh, the way he hit in order to hit that ball. And it wound up with 4,189 hits. And I'm telling you, this is one of the greatest hitters on this whole list. Yep. He just, he approached the game different and he played with, 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 with such passion. I just, yeah, yeah. Of course he's number five, man. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. And I still love the story that Ernie Harwell told at one time, uh, someone delivers some, uh, meat to uh, Ty Cobb. He wasn't home. So they placed it in between uh, his, uh, you know, the doors there on the front step and uh, he got home and from his game and the meat was spoiled. And he went and took it out on the, uh, the butcher there. So, Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he did not like uh, being left spoiled meat. So he uh, went down and, uh, and had it out with the, uh, the butcher there. So. Oh my God. You, you, want, <laughs> you want to hear another funny story real quick. And this might've been in the documentary, but I don't know. But uh, so Ty Cobb uh, on the road, remember, not all the teams had showers. So uh, he went to the hotel room and his roommate was in the bathtub washing up after the game. So Ty Cobb beat his ass, (laughs) threw him out of the bath. And he says, no, I always go first. (laughs) Oh, my God. And that's the kind of guy he was. He he always had to be first at everything. Oh, and that's funny. So poor, poor roommate. Poor roommate. Yeah, I go first. Oh, oh, no, not, not like this. Yeah, no, not like this. I hope that roommate pissed in the water before. Oh he left. God, I hope so too. Oh man. So yeah, that's uh, that's there. We've we've now entered the top five here. We'll close this thing out next week. Oh yeah, man, it's uh, exciting. I'm looking forward to it, man. This is exciting. So traveling. From then to our now, I believe we're talking shortstops. Shortstops, exciting shortstops. I love yeah. it. I love it. Let's talk. Let's talk shortstops. And uh, you know me, I like to uh, be different here. You know, because that's just how I am. So uh, for me, I'll, I'll start coming in at number five. Uh, I got my good friend. Uh, if you ever wonder uh, what I put in for five, it's Wander Franco. <laughs> uh, I I love this guy. I mean, he's gonna be he's gonna be so good. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we had a sampling of it last week or last year with, uh, his rookie year. I uh, finished in the top three there for rookie of the year, 288 batting average, seven home runs, 39 RBIs had a nice on base streak, but I think that it's only going to get better when he gets a, uh, gets a full season under his belt here. Uh, so I, I see him continuing to improve. And I think, uh, five years from now, he'll be number one here on the list. So, you know, he's more of a hybrid, but I picked him as uh, my number five uh, shortstop. 
Yeah, Wander Franco, uh, great, great player. I think he's, I think in, by this time next year, we're going to be talking about him as we would Fernando Tatis. Uh, yeah. I didn't put him on my list. Uh, uh, Good for you. Huh? Pre, pre-note, just because, uh, one, we don't know if he's going to play shortstop. Yeah. Uh, he could be playing third base, uh, even though shortstop would do him and that team so well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And he hasn't really done much yet, but. Uh, he's definitely one of the brighter spots of this game. And I think he probably will end up being one of the top shortstops of our game. So, um, fine for me. I, I picked Trey Turner from the Dodgers. Okay. Uh, okay. I, think, I think this guy we're, we're, we're seeing the next evolution of him. Uh, the next part of his game, he's 28 years old. He's in the prime of his career. And if last year gave any, any indication of who he's going to become, this is it. We're talking about a guy that's a, a demon on the base paths, um, he did so well and he's just constant. I mean, he want, he finally won a world series, um, yeah. with the nationals, but then he also went to a world series with the Dodgers. Um, or no, did he not go to the world series? No, he didn't go to the world series with the Dodgers. Yeah, but, they lost those Braves. They lost the Braves, <laughs> but he did so well last year to where he could have been an MVP, but, uh, the Dodgers are okay. Letting go of Corey Seager and keeping Trey yeah. Turner. I mean, this guy last year hit 328, 28 home runs, 195 hits, Woo. Woo. two stolen bases. I mean, the guy was You're like, whoo, I got lightheaded going through all those stats. He's <laughs> amazing, bro. He's amazing. So he comes in at number five for me. Okay. Uh, we look okay. at number four, Steve. Oh, well, yeah. Well, echoing what you put in at number five, the guy fucks hard, man. Straight turn. Let's right. go. Yeah, I just put him a, a pinch bit higher for all the reasons that you just said. Yeah, dude. Uh, he pretty much... Uh, you know, Dodgers gave the keys and says, "All right, this is uh, this is your job here at shortstop." You know, they got rid of Corey Seager. Uh, it's uh, keys to the castle here. We're on the Trey Turner, uh, Trey Turner train here, and uh, I think you know he's going to continue to uh, to be dominant. And uh, yeah, he comes in for me at number four. Who are you looking at? I love your number four, dude. Uh, well, number thank four, you, thank you. Yeah, number four for me. I'm not giving up on this guy yet. All right, still think he's one of the top shortstops in the game. Francisco Lindor for the Mets. Well, good for you. I gave up on that guy. All right. A I, lot of people have, man. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people have. He did so well okay. with Cleveland, with Cleveland yeah. Indians at the time, now the Guardians. Uh, and at that time, he was a four-time All-Star, two-time Gold Glove, two-time Silver Slugger Award. But we're talking about right now. And last yeah. year was a whole shitty year for him. I mean, not good. I mean, in a shitty year, he did wind up with 20 home runs, which that's a pretty good shitty year. That's um, all right. But he's, not for the money they paid him. Though. But now I totally agree with you. <laughs> I, I think the money was crazy. But before that, yeah. he was he was in the MVP talks every year almost in the AL. So I think you and I, we've also broke this down in the previous podcasts where the big city, big lights that just maybe yep. got to him, the big stage like it does. Nope. And I will get off my Lindor uh, wagon <laughs> here if it's the same kind of season. Uh, that he had last year, but if it's not, I, I think this is, could be a year because he is relatively the star of the team in Pete Alonso. So right. I think uh, he has an opportunity to be a great shortstop in the a- in the NL East. So um, number four for me, biting my lip hard on it is uh, <laughs> Francisco Linda. Okay, okay. I mean, and he very well the the light there yeah, it, it could click, and maybe the lights won't uh, shine so bright here for him, and he could uh, come back to how he was in Cleveland. So for sure, you know, for sure. I hold out hope because I like the guy. He seems like a you know cool guy. He has a great yeah. passion for the game. So uh, here here here's the best for him. 
Uh, number three for me, I'm going to go with uh, with Zanda, Zanda Bogarts. Yeah. I love this guy. You know, he's he's you know, Mr. Consistent here with Boston. Mookie's gone. David Ortiz is retired. So he's kind of, you know, becoming that that face of the uh, the Boston franchise. When I think of Boston right now, it's uh, you know, Xander Bogarts. Uh, consistently can get you 20 to 30 home runs, uh, you know, can get you over 100 RBIs. He's a good fielder. Uh, and uh, I just, I really like him, so he's coming in at number three for me. Uh, number three for me is uh, Bo Bichette, and oh. Bo Bichette is Bo. I think Bo is going to be we're going to be hearing his name a lot yeah. uh, as as the seasons go on. This guy, uh, Dante Bichette's son, uh, old Dante Bichette, if you remember him, from old Colorado, Dante, the I Colorado Rockies for my, for my childhood days. Yeah, uh, Bobby Shet had a great year last year, man. Uh, hit around 298, kind of dipped at the end of the season. I think he would have hit over 300 otherwise. 29 home runs. I think he's still finding that barrel. Um, I think there's a lot more power to come from him. Uh, 191 hits, great, man. 102 RBIs, 25 steals. I don't think people talk about his base running enough. I think he's a great base stealer. Um, And I think we're going to see a lot more of him. I think by next year, he's going to be definitely in my top three. Um, Spoiler alert, might be in somebody else's top three. Um, (laughs) Yeah, he might might be. He might be. (laughs) But he approaches the game really good, man. Uh, I think between him and Vlad and Kevin Biggio and all the young talent the Toronto Blue Jays have, I think that's a special team and it starts in the infield. Definitely with Biggio. I love it. I love it. Uh, Yeah. So uh, for me uh, coming in here at number two, man, you hit the nail on the head here. Bo Bichette. You've said everything guy Fox, man. Uh, And he's got a, you know, great head of hair there too. Uh, Dan Plesak. They Mm -hmm. were talking about, uh, you know, great shortstops. And they were talking about Derek Jeter and they asked him who, who the next uh, hall of fame shortstop is going to be. And uh, Dan please <laughs> said, Bo Bichette. Yeah. Saying I, I can definitely see it too. Uh, you know, he's, he's coming into his own. He was an all-star last year. You know, he got MVP votes too, and he's only going to get better. So yeah. you, know, you, you said everything that, that he has going for him. So for me, he was just a pinch higher coming at number two. Yeah. Uh, who do you have at number two? Yeah, uh, like you said, man, Boba Shet, great hair, good flow, bro. I mean, oh yeah, yeah, definitely, exactly. Great number Ex- two. Uh, number two for me, somebody you mentioned at your number three spot, and that's uh, Alexander Bogarts. Okay, okay, Alexander Bogarts. Just to kind of yeah. go off what you said, just a great piece for the Red Sox. I think uh, with Mookie Betts gone, they were kind of looking for who's going to be that team leader. Yep. Uh, who's going to be that guy, right? The guy that puts the butts in the seats and JD Martinez. Yeah. And you got a couple other people, Chris saying, okay, whatever. But, mm-hmm. but, uh, but I think Xander Bogarts is a piece that's going to be with the Red Sox for a very long time and maybe the rest of his career. The guy, one thing I read about him in articles uh, when he first came in the league, one thing that people love about him is how he loves playing the game. He, you could see it in the you could see it in the way he plays. And sorry, everybody out there, if my voice is getting strained, I just got it back and it's kind of going in and out. So I just got done being sick. So it sounds <laughs> kind of fucked up. But um, no Xander, need to apologize. It's okay. But Xander Bogarts, uh, he kind of dropped off at the the halfway last year. He was kind of like an M, a close MVP guy last year. Um, and then once the All Star break came, he kind of slowly started petering a little bit. But he still ended on a good note: two twenty five bat, two ninety five batting average, one hundred fifty six hits, twenty three home runs. I think those numbers are going to go up, and he's just a guy that's just going to get better, and he's going to be a staple in Boston for a long time. So Bob Xander comes in at my number two spot. Xander Fox, man, what can we say? Hell yeah! Uh, coming in at number one, you and I basically have the same person. No doubt about it. Head and shoulders above. It's uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. Hell yeah, dude. That guy is, uh, you think of the face of baseball right now. He's he's right up there as the first 
you know, three, four names that you think of. Uh, 42 home runs last year, 97 RBIs. Um, uh, two-time Silver Slugger winner now. He you know, got his first All-Star game last year. Uh, guy just is fantastic, and he's someone where I, I'd put up big money to go watch him pay, uh, play baseball in person. So uh, he's coming at number one for me. He's an absolute. He's an absolute star. I mean, yep. he, he hits a bunch of home runs. He hits drives in a bunch of RBIs. He's great. He, he can play slick glove in the infield. He can play third. He can play second. He can play short. He can play outfield. I think he played outfield last yeah. year. Shortstop's his main gig. I think he's going to be a, kind of our next Derek Jeter slash Alex Rodriguez. And this guy is just, he's another one that's fun to watch. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. You know his dad, Fernando Tatis, who also played. And I love that it, people like him and Bichette are just like the future of this game. And I can't wait to see it. So oh. rounding out our now series or rounding out this week uh, with the shortstops for Stephen Mai. What's on, a side, on a side note, you know, the White Sox are already good. How good they'd be if they still had him. Because remember, he went away on the James Shields trade. Dude, I'm glad you mentioned that. That's exactly, <laughs> you know what? That's right. That was the team he was going to st- stick with before yeah. they traded him. Yeah. Dude, that is so crazy. And, and he, was, he was young at the time. It's when the White Sox were still trying to go all in. I think they went in for big game James. Oh, uh, James my God. Shields, and they traded him away uh, to, the, to the Padres. And... Yeah. I mean, just the fact that the talent they have now with Luis Robert yeah. and Makata uh, and Eloy Jimenez, Jesus. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Dude, can you imagine that infield? <laughs> oh my God, bro. Like, let's go. Let's go. Uh, so next week we will be talking uh, as part of the now series, uh, third baseman. We'll be talking the top five third baseman in baseball right now. Love it. Love it. So speaking of let's go, uh, shall we head on over to collection corner? Yep, I'm ready to go. All right. Yeah. All right. So uh, for me, uh, <laughs> uh, looking up for me this week is uh, All Rise, because here comes the judge. Uh, he is up $13.79 or 49.93% to an average of $41.41 a card. Uh, 2013 Leaf Rise Rookie Blue Auto, number 25, recently sold for $189. And his 2017 top series one rookie is always on the rise and, uh, you know, uh, uh, commands a decent chunk of money. I have one myself, so feel pretty good about that. Uh, down for me is uh, Jim Abbott. Yes, that's oh. right. Jim. I love Jim. Abbott. Remember when he was on Boy Meets World? That was yeah, a dude. great wow. episode. Uh, he's down $11 and 16 cents or 54.81% to an average of $9 and 20 cents a card. You can get his 1989 tops rookie number 573 uh, for about a buck. So uh, Jim Abbott, he's down for me uh, this week. Who are you looking for for up and down? Oh, good picks, man. Good picks. Oh, thanks, uh, thanks. Up, up for me, I'm going to stick with Xander Bogarts, uh, kind of riding love on it. that. Okay. Uh, he's up for not a lot, but he, he's uh, increasingly going farther and farther up the chain. Uh, $4.95. That's about a 36%, uh, percent, uh, 36.80% markup from the uh, $18.40 uh, market price that he sits at right now. Okay. Specifically speaking, is uh, 2022 tops <clears throat> red, uh, tops one uh, red uh, foil board. Uh, that that one's uh, you can get that, but it's going up there in price. There's only about 199 of them left. Okay, and then uh, as 2014, uh, the one it's the first base card they put out yeah. is uh, is a number 133 rookie card, and his uh, 2015 tops opening day blue foil number Ooh, 155. Nice. 
So all signs pointing up for Xander Ooh, Bogarts. Okay. Down for me, uh, Jason Giambi. Jason Giambi Ooh. took a little bit of a hit uh, in, the, in the card market, down $6.75 okay. for a 49.38% drop. Uh, that puts his market right price around $6.92. Uh, specifically speaking, if you want to get, these are great cards to get. I, I looked them up and I think I own like one of them, um, <laughs> which is uh, the 96 <laughs> Tops Finest Gold, number 330. Uh, and that's an S5 is down. So you can grab that for cheap. Uh, his 1998 Flair Showcase Legacy Collection, uh, 19, number 19 is, is up there. And of course, his 93 Flair Excel. Number 120 is definitely down there, too. So if you want to grab any of those, grab them, because I imagine they're going to go pretty fast because it's such a low price. Nice. I, I always like Jason Giambi. He's always fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, great, great choices, my friend. Great choices. Uh, what about Tops Bunt? Have you been uh, getting on there? I saw they, they got their Fire and Ice out right now. Yeah, Fire uh, and Ice is looking good. Yeah, I, yeah. I got... Uh, Almost done completing the series. I think I completed the fire and ice side, but I didn't do the signature. Good side. for you. All right. I haven't done anything with it yet, but I saw it looked kind of nice. So. Yeah, I, I liked it. Uh, they have Nolan Arenado in there and Freddie Freeman. Ooh, okay. So they got some pretty good ones, okay. man. Uh, Bowman's best youth rising is Ooh, pretty yep. good as well. I like those Bowman cards. Yeah, uh, those are really nice. And then they're I think every week they're kind of doing the they're kind of doing the uh, the war stat. I, I forgot that yeah, irreplaceable. irreplaceable. Yeah, I've been doing those every day. And then if I miss one, I go on eBay and uh, pick it up. Do I get delivered? So I've you know almost done completing that set. So. Yeah, the tilt through time, which is pretty cool. They had uh, one that I just got yesterday was the Cunha Jr. and Andrew Jones. Ooh. So it's kind of like it's a motion card. So you can kind of flip it. And it's yeah, it's pretty cool. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so that's about it. That's going on top. Nothing, nothing too crazy there. Nothing right? too that's crazy and old topsy land, huh? No. no uh, Shall we? Uh, let's get the candles out. We'll celebrate a birthday, shall we? All right. All right. Well, it's happy birthday. This one was a couple of days ago to uh, Detroit Tiger great Alan Trammell, uh, born on February 21st, 1958. Uh, Trammell uh, is a World Series champion, obviously, in 1984 with the Tigers, World Series MVP in that series. He's a six time All Star, four time Gold Glover, and three time Silver Slugger Award winner. He has a career uh, 285 average with 2,365 hits. 185 home runs and 1,003 RBIs. Nice. Well, in fact, he had two hit streaks of 20 or more games. He had a 20-game hit streak in 1984 and a 21-game hit streak in 1987. Coincidentally, those were the two years his teams made the playoffs. So, uh, happy birthday to Alan Trammell. Alan Trammell, happy birthday, man. Yeah, number three. Get it. Christian uh, Santana, one of the... I was going to see if you're going to mention that. Yeah. Their prospects there. He, yeah, he mentioned. Uh, well, they they interviewed him and Alan Trammell's obviously uh, in the developmental league, helping train these yeah. guys. And he said that he hopes uh, God, if God blesses him enough, uh, to be, he hopes to be better than Alan Trammell one day. Okay. Well, I like the confidence in that guy. I do hopefully. too. I think you need confidence like that. For yeah. Sure. Yep. I hope he can live up to that because that's a uh, big shoes to fill. But best of luck to him. One of the greatest Tigers of all time. Yep. I agree. I agree. So, yeah, happy birthday to Alan Trammell. Hell yeah, man. Happy birthday. Well, man, that is the show for the day. Woo! I feel like we flew through it. A lot, a lot to talk about, man. So with, much. Yeah. With what's going on with this stupid lockout. And uh-huh. it's just crazy. But, you know, yeah. next week, we're, 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 when we talk, we're going to, we're going to probably know be talk. On. We're going to yeah. know, like we say every week, what's going on. But I think we're going to be talking games canceled. Yep. So, I think we might be. I would be hope uh, not, but yeah, there's a strong possibility. 
Very strong possibility. Uh, listeners, be prepared for Steve and I to go ape shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of desks getting flipped here. So oh, man. look out. A lot of it. <laughs> but uh, all right, man. Well, let's all go right. get a drink, drunk or sorrows okay. for a little bit. And we will talk to you guys next week. Deuces. Deuces.